No bra, no panties. No bra, no panties. No bra, no panties. Hi, welcome to QBT. I'm Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. And we are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And today, we're, we're not talking about sex, BB. Yeah, no panties. <laughs> I actually don't. I'm just wearing shorts. <laughs> I, oh my God, same. I'm going commando right now. I'm in a closet. There's no way I'm doing that. It's just me. Let it all hang out. Talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> hi, Shawnee. Hi, hi. Welcome to QBT. Hello. Hello. We're here again. Another week. We are here again, and for the first time, I think in QBT uh, history, our sub slot question actually has to do with fucking, which is what? great. <laughs> um, so I think just to like get our sex episode out of the way, just like rip the bandaid off. Um, do you want to talk about like the first time that you had sex? And when we talk about that, we obviously mean like consensual sex. So um, I guess in, I hate the term losing your virginity. So like, I think it's like a really fucked up patriarchal term. So we'll that's why I don't it. use it. But, <laughs> but, 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 but first sex story, do you have it? What's up, slut? Um, yeah, I have a very interesting, I will say losing my virginity. Um, it happened when I was 27, a whole 27 years old, not in high school, not in college not in grad school, yeah. I was a grown-ass adult. Um, yeah. Your brain had fully formed, you know, you had all your thinking capabilities about you. Right, my prefrontal cortex has She's formed, fused. so I can yeah. make the right decisions. That's good. Um, but guess what, it was still just as lackluster, and one of those things where it's like, oh, it actually wasn't that big of a fucking deal when it happened. Someone you knew, <laughs> or someone you were like, I've been lighting candles for you my whole life? It was a partner of mine, a boyfriend of mine. That's cute. We'd been together, we had been together for like three months and then it was like time. Yeah. Wow. Three yeah. months with a boyfriend. And then what a, yeah. what a gentleman. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know me, I'm classy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't give it up on the first date, the second date, the third date. Apparently it takes until date 15. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's super sweet. I love that. Yeah, I mean, gay first base is fisting. So like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Stuff. I just, I mean, for some people it is, but I'm, I like, I just mean like, you know, you're already nose deep halfway into saying hello. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we'll get into a little bit later why it took so long, but um, sure. Right back at you. When when did you lose yours? When did you have your first, I guess, intercourse? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Ew. Intercourse. Uh, um, uh, I was 14. And I, it was in a church stairwell and it was, I also like when we were done, I then went like door to door proselytizing to people with this acronym called FAITH, F-A-I-T-H. F is for forgiveness. <laughs> like girl, like it was like really wild. You can stop right there. Yeah, I know. But like, um, but that was, um, I mean, I had, I've had sex with like um, many genders and uh my first sexual experiences with a, a woman well I guess a teenage person I don't know um and it's it's a funny story I guess because like just layers of deceit and confusion all around Ooh. but um I will say I, I'm a gold star I'm a gold star game never girl we are gonna 
I've never had sex with a woman before. I okay, but there's nothing to like. <laughs> I know, brag about I know. That. There's no gold star to win about Not that. Not bragging. I just, you know, I don't uh, know I'm, what a vagina I'm, is I'm, like. I, that's <laughs> at fine. All. I don't know my way around one. <laughs> I mean, that's like okay. I mean, I think you could like YouTube it, but like <laughs> or like or just watch I, porn. <laughs> I mean, but there's the like porn hub it. There's no way that they're gonna be like, and this is the outer, and this is the inner, and this is the dupe, and then the you know. There's like a vulva, right? That's a thing. Right. You're right. Um, All right, we're gonna wait. Were you done? Do you want to move on? <laughs> yeah, wanna, it's fine. I think we're gonna yeah. keep embarrassing ourselves talking no, let's about go. vaginas. Let's go. Let's let's talk about let's, let's jump into and what about it? It's time for some pop culture and not really that many politics this time. Um, we've been we've been good about taking a, a breather. I mean, I guess the only thing to quickly say is just that the federal government is literally occupying Portland right now, which is fucking. <laughs> insane and i don't even really have major thoughts about it except for the federal government is trying to kill us there's a fucking <laughs> tank in downtown like literally moved in the for department what? Of, literally for what the department of homeland security is here and they aren't even meeting with the mayor like why are they here why are they here why are they here portland is like at the very bottom of the list of places that i think a tank belongs okay i mean absolutely and also the president is using us as a scapegoat for like you know if i if the cities can't get their citizens into like obedience i'm gonna go and bring the federal government into there with them which like whatever i don't know my fucking granny texted me today and was like hope you're staying safe everything like seems really wild out there i'm just like yeah the police are violent that's what's happening um but anyway yeah let's start with Let's talk. Let's talk about Jada Pinkett Smith again. <laughs> okay. And her her entanglement. So I watched a uh, little Red Table Talk. Yeah. I feel like a super long episode it was only I think like ten or twelve minutes. No, because they were like, we don't want to talk about this. Yeah, they didn't want to talk about it. Uh, it was just her and Will Smith, Mr. William. And when I tell you, Jada did everything in her power not to say the word relationship with August Alcina. Yeah. <laughs> she used entanglement like three or four times and will smith himself had to say let's call it what it is it was a relationship and the way she was just like yeah 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 like it was a relationship i mean i don't actually i kind of like the idea of the word entanglement i just like oh i'm just in an, an entanglement like it's oh my like, god i just think it's sexy i think it's, it's like, part of our uh, vernacular now yeah i love it <laughs> i i think i know she got read to filth because she was like seemingly trying to like avoid it but it's like there is a lot of middle ground with relationships that are like we're beyond fucking, but we're not like committed in any way. I'm literally yeah. here as a rebound for my husband or to like make him jealous or something, you know, like yeah. an entanglement seems like a perfectly normal, like I'm just in an entanglement right I'm entangled now. with some people and some things. Yeah, his legs <laughs> here, my legs there, we're entangled. Mm. Uh, I also found it interesting that Jada and Will Smith like weren't together like fully like we're not in a relationship with each other not that it was anybody's um, business but theirs but i don't know it's the sometimes it's interesting peeking behind the curtain of a relationship and just being like oh shit y'all were going through some stuff i don't know when it sounds like it was a few years ago it's not like this was a few months ago but yeah. well i mean they've talked about that on like they've had mentions of hard times in quotes yeah. and like and i evidently it was that they had come a lot closer to separating mm -hmm. more than other times at the same time i'm just like also 
I find it so exhausting that I guess the interesting thing was that they were silent and then there were, you know, we talked about this, that like, it's the denial that's weird if it obviously happened and there's like yeah. photographic evidence of it. And also this, the answers that we got, I'm just like, oh, you guys were mad at each other, so you fucked someone up. Like, that's boring. Why am I even yeah. here? This is so boring. <laughs> like, I, I just, it, I felt bad because it was obvious that, I mean, Will did not want to be there or talk mm. about that. And like, and, and I can understand why, because like, you know, he's getting clowned by his peers as like being in this like beta role in this relationship. And so he has to like, kind of like, like I saw this fucking, it might've even been the goddamn shade room, like <laughs> post-it that was like, Will Smith like puts Jada in her place. And it's like, that isn't what happened. That's like not what he, happened. that's not what happened. Like if anything, he asked her to be a little bit more accountable publicly if, which I can understand if she has made a career or like, does she get paid for that? I don't know how that works, but like- I'm sure she gets a check. Yeah. Facebook probably pays her. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, because it's hosted there. So weird. Who? When, when is uh, Mark Zuckerberg coming to the red table? That's what I want to know. Oh, right? right? That's what we need. Right. Um, um, well, I don't know. What do you think about it? I mean, one, I still feel like it wasn't anybody's business. Yeah. I also feel like if they were separated and not together, I also don't get why this is such a big deal. Um, I don't know. I It's almost like after watching it, I was like, all right, well, we can close this chapter now. Like, I... <laughs> This was like a waste of time. It's not yeah. even, it was never that serious to me. And I just feel like. It just wasn't juicy boring. at all. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like, um, hmm. I don't know. I was going to make some like peach analogy and then you bite in it as dry, but like, it just doesn't make any mm, sense. We don't so, like dry peaches. No, but like, mm -hmm. I just, it, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. I felt like the whole like, um, codependency, like taking care of him and yeah. like making sure everyone knew he was like so very sick i was like what is he the came to us really sick we met him, is... he was really sick i was just like and i get the point of that to be kind of like there's a reason why he came into our lives and it just like feels a little predatory in some ways like yeah Ew, he was so sick that you like tricked him into loving you like what is that <laughs> and then what she was like I realized that I was going, like, I was trying to fix him. I needed to be, like, fixing myself and, like, dealing with my pain and all that stuff. Sure. So, I don't know. It felt like a come-to-Jesus moment that wasn't necessary. Um, Especially because it was very obvious that they had come to Jesus a long time before. I feel like the yeah. purpose of Red Table is more often something is happening right now. So let's have accountability for that right now. Yeah. But, like, this felt more like, ah, oh, there isn't anything to be accountable for. Everyone who is involved has dealt with this. This other person is, for some reason, making press releases about this now. Yeah. But that has nothing to fucking do with us. And exactly. It's almost like the focus is on the media and what we think as, like, the audience. But, like, in terms of August, Will, and Jada, they knew exactly what was going on. Like, they were all on the same page about it. This wasn't, like... Will Smith found out at the Red Table talk. Like, this no. Happened. Like, this happened, again, it happened years ago, and they weren't together. And like, if Will and Jada sat down with August, oh, I'd watch that oh, over and over and over again. <laughs> like, but, I mean, it seems messier. Like, it's simultaneously, this is nobody's business, and I'm like, but it, you didn't make it by business enough. Like, you, right. you gave me boring shit. I want to know what happened. I want, like, the real tea. <laughs> right. Mm. All right, let's talk about... Oh What's my. some other stuff you're watching? 
some other stuff I'm oh. watching outside of Red Table Talk. Uh, yeah. So there is a documentary on, well, yeah, it's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, listen, it's called Walter Mercado. Uh, mucho, mucho amor. Mucho, mucho amor. Wait, it's mucho, mucho amor. Yes. Yeah, it's like that. Um, it's so good. I mean, yeah. Walter Mercado is not somebody that I personally grew up like watching. I think I faintly remember them existing in like, mm-hmm not as big a deal as like Miss Cleo was for me. <laughs> right. But I, I think I remember the face. Anyways, mm-hmm. watching the documentary was nice because it felt like I was being introduced to this amazing spirit and soul that mm-hmm. has touched so many people and has spread mm-hmm. so much sort of like love and positivity, like not just within the Latin and Hispanic community, but like around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just found it, first I found it insane that I just like didn't know who this person was. And then I also found felt insane because I could feel the love. Like I could feel the love, I could feel the positivity. Like it was coming through the TV screen. I was boohoo crying like the last 20 minutes of it. And then I almost did the thing where I was like, is he still alive? And then they just tell you that he's not. Yeah, I um I had a great experience with it. I will admit that at the beginning I was like kind of dual screening and then I fully like put my phone down. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm here watching this. Um, I. And the same as you, I, I think Miss Cleo wouldn't exist without the success of this person, but like, right. you know, and, and others. So I have definitely, I remember the time of TV psychics and I didn't know though that the global phenomenon of that really came out of this person's career. And um, I just loved that there was kind of a refusal to be definite around gender with this person, a refusable to be definite around sexuality with this person. Like they exist as a queer person. And I think it's really cool and a nice reminder that before now, there have always been people that exist outside of what we understand as like this or that. And, um, you know, other people have had to put up with a lot more shit. There's a lot of conversation in this movie about how he was treated specifically due to that queerness and in the 80s in latin america you know but um they i don't know it was just it was really beautiful and i love uh watching like a snatched face just get more and more snatched like (laughs) and those capes girl those capes incredible they were super heavy but also they were very intricate and beautiful yeah he's like i'm making no money but i will absolutely spend ten thousand dollars on a cape and i'm like yeah that is logical to me it makes sense to me (laughs) do it yeah absolutely (laughs) and then his um his assistant who i feel like they are like secretly in early or were in a relationship or um our our friend carlos said that they were probably just like soulmates or twin flames but Mm -hmm. um i don't know they're so cute together he like knew him so well and it was just uh the whole thing is just really sweet and really heartwarming and really it's like one of those things where there's so much bullshit in the world like watch this and you're gonna feel a lot better coming out of it mm-hmm. yeah it was done really well and i mean i honestly feel like yes there's absolutely they are beyond friends those two people yeah i don't know what that means if anything, it hinted to me that maybe Walter is a little bit more on the asexual spectrum, especially mm-hmm. when they were talking about how like sex is everything. I kind I kind of understood that more than I understood like them being this like secret sex person or you know what does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like I, I feel like maybe they just like that is not a concern in their life. Which I mean I think maybe we'll talk about this later is like 
our society places so much emphasis on sex and not every person does, you know? Um, But yeah, Walter Mercado's doc on Netflix is really incredible. And whether, I mean, I've heard from people who did grow up with him be like, loved it, incredible. And then obviously people like us who don't know fucking shit and it was really beautiful and wonderful. I feel like it wasn't until... Uh, on All Stars when uh, Alexis yeah. did it. But I was like, I feel like I know what she's doing. I've like seen this kind of face before, but I don't know, no. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, the documentary came out and I was like, well, I can find out. That's who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I I recommend it. If you have an hour and a half, log into Netflix and give it a watch. It's great. Um, something else on Netflix is The Old Guard, which is it stars Charlize Theron and some other people I don't know. Um, and it's directed by <gasps> Gina Price Blythewood. I think that is her name. That's a name. I hope I, I did that. not murder or demolish it. Anyways. Google's um, people's friend. Yeah. Um, it's the same director that did Love and Basketball. Uh, she also did Beyond the Lights. This is a little bit different because it's like a superhero movie. It's about um, these four, maybe five soldiers that uh, are immortal. They can't die. If you shoot them, they come right back to life. So It was like time traveling Matrix or something. Yeah. And like Charlize Theron has been alive for like 600 years. It's like a thing. Um I don't know. I It was decent. It was mediocre. I was excited yeah. to sort of see this director make a pivot away from what she is sort of known for doing, which is like a rom-com type of thing. Um, and I mean, I think she did a good job with it, right? I don't think that she like dropped the ball in any way, but mm-hmm. it was also just sort of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looked good. I like have to watch it. I was doing homework and stuff. And then I think Spencer was watching it more. And I was like, oh, I absolutely adore Charlize Theron. I really liked that movie um, a few years ago where it was like, it was like Angelina Jolie in Salt. And then there was also a movie with Atomic um, Blonde. Yes, I love Atomic That's Blonde. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. And I was like excited to see, because what I was going to say is there's that Jennifer Lawrence movie that came out at the same time as Atomic Blonde oh, yeah. did, where it's, her, it's just like, yeah, her just in ugly wigs. It's like an, it's a literal <laughs> airplane movie. I don't think I ever saw that movie. No, why would you? It would look terrible. <laughs> but Atomic Blonde was great. Like the styling of that movie. And I was like, okay, I'm, I, I love this. I want more yeah. of that. And and then once I saw them, I feel like there was like a part where like prairie outfits or something. And I was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it was, I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, I just wanted to shout it out because the uh, director is black. It's a black woman. Um, yeah. So supporter, but I mean the movie was mediocre, yeah. and it's okay. That is allowed to happen. So and she got a she got another thing out of this movie, and so mm-hmm. I'm like I'm super excited to see that one. Yeah, it's gonna be Love and Basketball, the sequel. I'm joking. I hope not. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I know it. It better never happen. <laughs> that cover isn't he like palming a basketball? Yeah, they're uh, like kissing, I think, and it, then they both have like yes, okay, up holding a basketball. It is sexy. I love that cover <laughs> so much. I need to watch that movie. I don't think I've seen Love and Basketball in almost a decade. I definitely have not seen it outside of like TBS. So I have no, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I have no idea what that movie actually is. I've seen the TV version. <laughs> All right, movie night. We're going to do Love and Basketball. I'm Work. Done. Um, okay, last movie I want to talk about. I watched a lot of movies this week. Um, That's great. So on Hulu, there's a movie called Palm Springs that I actually do recommend. Um, it stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. I don't know if I'm saying her last name mm-hmm. right. 
Um, I know her you, face. I watched this. You trailer. know her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really good, actually. It's essentially Groundhog's Day, like that movie with uh, I think it's Bill Murray, um, mm-hmm. but in Palm Springs, and it's a little different. There's some like science involved and physics and dinosaurs. So, Fun. um, I don't know. It was cute. It was. It's by the Lonely Island people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely funny. It has a lot of heart to it. Um, and it's smart. It was just done really smart. Like it doesn't, I feel like the trope of you're reliving, you're reliving the same day, like over and over again, like we've seen it again, Groundhog's Day, that uh, happy death day to you. Uh huh. That's a movie, right? Uh, where you just relive the same experience over and over. Like it's a trope that we've seen a million times. And I think they really like, injected something fresh into it and sort of spoke to what would happen for real. Like if you just woke up and had to relive the same day every single mm-hmm. day, at some point you would literally stop finding meaning in life and you'd probably mm-hmm. become an anarchist and you would just like walk into parties and just say what the fuck you want to say because you're going to wake up the next day and relive the same thing all over again. So yeah. I feel like it has a lot to say about, I'm all about existentialism. I feel like it's a very existential movie. Yeah. So, I am. Um, on I, a certain level. I saw the trailer and I will say that when it first started playing, I was like, okay, this looks like a boys movie. And they do this terrible thing where there is a certain genre of like SNL movie that thinks that um, song, when you look and you will find me time after time. They think that that song is like inherently funny. Like, and so it's in so many trailers or like in the middle of movie where people like Mm. look back and forth and sing it to one another. And like, it's just, to me, it's just not funny. And in fact, I kind of just enjoy that song. Like, I don't (laughs) understand the like, do you see that it's a comedy and it's going to take place in like a kind of ambiguous time frame? Um, So I was really skeptical and then they cut that and moved on. And then I was like, oh, the rest of this trailer I'm actually interested in, but I think you'll like the movie. I, you haven't I seen it, too. right? No, I yeah, haven't I've... seen it yet, but I am excited to see it. I, I like a lot of what those people do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, like, I feel like with the SNL folks and, like, Paul Feig, like, the bridesmaids and, and all of yeah. that, and all the SNL actors, there's, like, there's something about, like, a certain 80s musical song, and Time After Time is, like, an example of the mini that they use, that they just find like inherently hilarious that I don't. And so it often turns me off from like these like seven minute montages in these movies where I'm like, move on. I like the other stuff, move on. <laughs> I don't I don't think that song is in the movie. Maybe it is and I just didn't hear it, but I don't think it's actually in the movie. No, I, I wouldn't know. It was just in the trailer <laughs> and I was like, I'm about to turn this off and then they cut it off and then I was like, oh, actually I'm in. So I'm glad to hear it was good. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to talk about my girl Megan the Stallion. She got shot in the foot. This was crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. And I I still don't know. I'm like kind of confused on the details here. Like she was in a SUV with Tory Lanez, who's a rapper singer. Um it was her, Tory Lanez, and then I guess one of their friends that's also female. Um mm-hmm. they got pulled over by the police. Um, Tory Lanez got charged with having a weapon, having a gun, mm-hmm. um, like a concealed weapon in his vehicle, whatever. Uh, he's not in jail. He got like out on bail. But for some reason, and I, I don't, I, again, I don't know the story, but Megan the Stallion was shot in the foot and the police didn't arrest her. The police did not, are not the ones that shot her. <laughs> um, yeah. but there's a lot I, of misinformation. Confused as to who shot her. Um, she says that it's somebody that like knew what they were doing and there was malintent associated with it. 
I'm just wondering who the person is. I mean, I trust that Megan isn't a snitch and isn't going to say nothing, but I don't know. It's just weird. Like, who shot Megan the Stallion? I mean, unfortunately, I think it's someone in her circle, you know, or mm. was compromised by her circle. And I think it's really sad because, well, one, that video, thankfully, it is not the type of horrific, horrific police video that you normally see. Yeah. But it is still a really obvious example of Black women being humiliated in a time of need. Like, the way that they make her back up with her hands up and like slow and she's limping because she's mm -hmm. like literally injured and then you can see the blood prints as it's happening and then the other girl woman comes out and is like being asked to turn around and they're like literally making her do like the cha-cha slide like around this yeah. fucking thing and then when she gets on the ground they like her make her spread her legs at the uh at the thing and like at the cop car is what i'm trying to say and it's just um that was already a really upsetting part about it. And then there was lots of misinformation in terms of what happened. Was she arrested? Did she shoot somebody? Like, was she an informant? Like, there was just so much bullshit. Um, I think it was uh, Kylie Jenner. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it I think it was be. her. I think she's the one that did it. I don't know why, but I don't know why the Jenners and the Kardashians do anything. No, uh, they were coming from Kylie Jenner. Well, they were coming from her. Kylie Jenner's, she was having a pool party, which I have an issue with because we are still in a pandemic. So y'all shouldn't have been there anyways. But oh. um, I thought you were yeah. talking about pool parties in general. And I was like, this is a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't go to pool parties. No, don't go to a pool party. In at a Kylie Jenner's house. Yeah, oh. at, Kylie, at Kylie Jenner's house or at Compound in Atlanta because apparently oh, no. they are having pool parties. I don't want to talk Oh my about God, that. nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where they were coming from. So because of that, I just think that the Jenner family and the Kardashian family is to blame as they always are and that you can't convince me otherwise. I mean, I just think it's a little bit sad. One, because she's like amazing, but also, you know, she's lost her mom and like other, mm -hmm. she does not have family to feel grounded. And when your potential inner circle is involved, in something to literally harm you that like that causes deeper trust issues than i don't know i just really hope that she's got someone in her circle it sounds me too like a I really mean, I think sad her, lonely thing her mom was her manager so right that has to i mean obviously losing a parent is tough but then obviously to still be continuing with your career and then to like really be blowing up when you don't have your mom around right. and you don't have that sort of guidance and the real trust of somebody that mm -hmm. you know loves you and is actually looking out for you it has to be tough and I mean I think she's I mean Megan the Stallion will be fine that's what I will claim but um yeah, yeah. I you know you got to look out for who's around you <laughs> yeah um uh I guess I don't know if we have all the information, but Nick Cannon was fired from like all Viacom projects mm -hmm. after going on a podcast. And I watched what he said. I don't think, I think that he has read and understood um, some like doctoral publications from the like 70s and 80s that essentially posited that one of the reasons that white people are evil and like have stepped into this role of domination is out of a genetic lack and out of a specific, I don't know, um, desire to make sure that they are not eradicated because it's like 
uh, what used to be in census terms, like one drop of black blood makes you black because of what happens with melanin, right? Like mm. being white and having albinism is a recessive gene. Um, uh, anyway, that's kind of what he was talking about. He eventually starts veering into this, like that's what makes white people more like animals. And then it unfortunately sounds very genetic purist. It sounds very like, um, it's kind of beyond that kind of Terry Crews like black supremacy thing. It's yeah. it's more related to kind of like what eugenics is based on. And like, it's unfortunate because I think that where he was starting was not exactly where he meant to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and it sucks also because like how many fucking Fox News hosts get to say whatever the fuck they want. Right. How many white people get to send out an apology and be like, moved to a different show or like picked up by somewhere like this person lost all Viacom contracts which like if you're not a media person you may not understand that that's like 67 channels but like that's like he has so I don't know I mean I just yeah. don't even think that what he said was like that crazy especially with his ability to like kind of get called in after it happened like the history lesson related to like Judaism and the Holocaust like I can absolutely see how he was completely like not considering that and that is he should have considered that but he didn't yeah. and i what was the i don't know i don't know that i know the exact thing that he said about jewish people but i know it was that's that seems to be what the issue was it at least from what i'm reading it's not about necessarily the, eugen the eugenics part of that but the what he said about Jewish people. Like, oh, okay. I, mean, I, I could be misinformed. I could absolutely be misinformed. I saw like the clip, it was like two and a half minutes of him specifically talking about genetics. And I thought that there was like a Jewish call out because of mm. the connection to eugenics and the types of things that he was naming. Um, and also sometimes white Jews can be uh, a little defensive to stuff like that on which understandably because yeah. of the way that they have been treated historically. So um, I don't know. I, I could also be very wrong. He could have absolutely said something like horrific and, and yeah. like a movie I mean, after the clip that I I'm saw. I'm not going to defend Nick Cannon because at the end of the day, Nick Cannon, you're <laughs> what a clown. Good at, I mean, you're <laughs> good at hosting shows, hosting uh, while and out, maybe making music sometimes, but not really. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear your songs. I don't need to hear your hot take on genetics or biology or honestly, yeah, anything related to the Jewish religion or culture yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, I'm not going to defend him for that reason because I just feel like it wasn't his place to say anything anyways. But in that same vein, you have a point. Like, if it had been somebody white, it would have been fine. Right, there would have been an apology that would have been put out, and he still would have had his job. Oh. It just—it also just happened in like seventy-two minutes. Like it was—it yeah. moved from like podcast to nothing. And then I think the mass singer said that they're going to still keep him on after yeah. his apology, which is good. But they're not owned by Viacom, so. Um, and I I, he's like, and I mean, he's been hosting Wildin' Out since forever like while and out still comes on television <laughs> well and... i will say that the only reason that i know that a while now is still on because of when acelia banks was on it and then she cried <laughs> <laughs> and then she came home from it and like oh talked shit gosh. about the production it was like <laughs> that was the most disrespectful thing of my entire life <laughs> she posted a video today of just it just uh had 
all it said was a black screen that said Nick Cannon and over it is her just laughing. She's like, you, oh my you clown ass <laughs> bitch. Like, fuck you, Nick Cannon. <laughs> like, I mean, um, I do think it's fucked up that he has betting. been the host of that show. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he created that show. That's his um, show. It's, own, well, it's his show, but it's, you know, it's quote unquote owned by MTV, which is owned by Viacom slash CBS. So he's sure. getting kicked off of that show now. And I feel like he has every right to be pissed about that. Like, if I had been working on that show for over a decade, <laughs> and because I made one comment <laughs> mm-hmm. that probably one person at this company got mad about, mm-hmm. I'd be just as equally pissed. But And that he didn't, like, double down. And his apology was genuinely, like, I truly, like, did not... I was not thinking about that when I was speaking and like that is blindsided and I, I like yeah. short-sighted and I should have, but it, it, there was no doubling down or like, I'm sorry that you felt this way that I said something. He was very like, Oh my God, when I heard it back and when I've gotten this kind of call in from my friends, I absolutely see how fucked up what I said was like, I just, mm. I don't know. I feel bad that he, I mean, Honestly, what it speaks more to in some ways for me is like the ways that academia and the ways that um, sort of big ideas kind of get like threaded out into Twitter world or these other spaces. And then they don't always have their full context. And so then people adopt them as part of their ideology without understanding the whole thing. And then they spew it. And it's like, well, you're half right. You're just missing the next 10 years of discourse. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I feel... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I maybe shouldn't speak too much because I, especially if you did something worse than what I think I saw. But Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, we don't have every detail on this. It's just something that I saw and like glossed over and, mm-hmm. and realized that I just, I'm not a Nick Cannon like fan. So I was just like, no, oh, that I mean, sucks. And then I kept going about my life. <laughs> right. Exactly. But speaking of Azalea Banks, mm-hmm. I mean, she posted the other day as well that, um, She's like begging, literally begging her fans to stop streaming Broke With Expensive Taste, her debut album, because a manager who was on that album, who's also Ice Cube's manager, uh, evidently owns like everything. Like, remember that whole like Scooter Braun, Taylor Swift thing and all that? Mm -hmm. It's very similar when we've talked before, or Megan Thee Stallion, how like it's very, very easy for some white executive to get artists' rights to stuff. But she is begging people to not stream it because she's not making any money off of it. I think I saw somewhere that she got like a flat, like 16 to 20 K and then like, I mean, right. So sad. And obviously anyone here listening to this can probably like be like, fuck Azalea Banks. I don't want to hear anything positive about her. I can hear that. (laughs) And I think it's really, really sad that someone who, I think created one of the most iconic songs of the decade doesn't get to make any money off of that. Like two on two is like, or like her or not. That song is, that song is the 2010s. Like it's in that top five of like songs for me. It just is. I mean, that album too. It brought about like the women, like, thrust we have fucking what you're i don't know exactly what you're about to say but what i think you're about to say is that there's such a big house influence and then six years later we have like four pop mm-hmm. icons mm-hmm. releasing house music shit like 
she's definitely done a bunch of fucking shit and uh, said a bunch of really stupid shit. But I think a lot of that has to come from the fact of the misogynoir that she's faced and the fact that like her community does not ride for her, despite the fact that she's like super talented. And also she's got a super fucking terrible mouth and, you know. Yeah, she, I mean, we'd ride deserves... for her if she would just shut up. <laughs> well, I mean, you yeah. know. Well, and I, I, what I was going to say is uh, Broke with Expensive Taste is I love that album. It's so Like, good. it's great. I mean, I have my feelings about Azalea Banks, and right now I sort of feel like karma's a bitch, isn't it? You probably shouldn't have been saying all that. But yeah. that was a good album. <laughs> and it, it definitely sucks that she's not going to make any sort of money off of it and can't even own those tracks, those masters, and do anything with them. So... And that's like been a thing with her. That's been a history thing with her too. Like, do you remember when um, she posted on YouTube the um, Harlem Shake remix? Maybe. Years ago. Anyway, she posted on YouTube this Harlem Shake remix and it blew all of the boy, the boys and the other like kind of YouTube rappers out of the water. It was just, Mm. it changed that song from like kind of annoying trend song to like, it worked as her body of work. And then she was the only one those producers sued to get her stuff taken down while all the boys got to like keep it up. And it's like, because she ate them up. It's because she like, <laughs> like, and so I think people forget sometimes that her era of talking mad, disrespectful, horrible shit mm-hmm. kind of came after being completely ignored, having to like have her mixtapes taken on and off of Spotify because of like one mix that someone else owned that she didn't end up getting cleared because she's doing this all herself and like has never really had any support. And I can imagine that I might miss a copyright thing here or there. You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I just think it's sad (laughs) that she um, isn't going to make money off of this. And at the same time, maybe it all push her into a space where she can make some money off new stuff. Cause like I would, I would like to see her come around and be celebrated, especially in this era when we've got so many women doing it. She's still the only one that sounds like her in my mind. What an amazing, wouldn't that be an amazing sort of full circle comeback story? If she, in Doja, Megan and Zalia on the same track. Oh my could God. You, and like in the next couple of years she like gets her shit together like shuts up (laughs) puts out good music works with the right people um keeps sort of innovating and all that good stuff i i could see it but i i don't know i feel like she has to want it for herself and i don't know that she does sometimes yeah i just i think honestly similar to kanye west i mean we we there is an allowance of mental illness or like whatever for men especially over women and then when you have a much smaller fan base and a fan base that is mostly queer and women like it's really hard to break through the sort of like problematic phase of a career yeah you know when there isn't a bunch of men backing you you know what I mean I just, like, I'm still fucking mad that Russell Crowe, like, called her the N-word and, like, assaulted her, and he still has a career, and then she was put all over TMZF if she did something wrong. Like, that's still I remember that. I remember that. Shit. Uh, also, before we move on, I just, I think we should name that. We did talk about Naya Rivera a lot last episode. When we were recording, they had not found her body, um, and then since then, um, 
it, it was found and she was declared dead. And um, I don't know, I don't want to spend too much time on it just because we, I think we did a good job remembering yeah. her last week, but um, yeah, I mean, rest in peace, babe. That sucks. It, yeah. It was sad news and <clears throat> she was a light. I mean, she was a light. She was hilarious. She could sing. She, it seems as though she touched a lot of people's lives. So she I've been watching this and yeah. yeah, I've been watching Glee and uh, not really like watching, watching it. It's like either as I'm going to bed or as I'm working, like it's just on and it's kind of cool to see her that show is still terrible by the way if you if you i would not ever suggest if you've never seen that show to start it it's yeah you don't need to go back and watch and it's also very it's very 20 like 2009 2010 (laughs) like it's a time capsule it's disrespectful and rude and problematic it's horrible it's it's really it's they really actually bullied the fuck out of like those students so and like yeah it's it's just it's a mess and it it Sometimes it makes me angry that Ryan Murphy still has a booming career after that show because, like, it, he did, he wrote and said terrible things doing yeah. that. Um, and that, that aside, in some ways, like, watching her steal every half a second she's in, especially in the first season, she has like one and a half lines up until episode 14. And then you, like, remember that she's like the, one of the main characters by the end. It just yeah. is. She stole every, I saw this video of her when she was like four on a talk show and she like um, gets brought down and she's just kind of talking about what she does. And she, cause she was like kind of a child actress too. And then the host is like, you should model. And then she's like, I did that. <laughs> like just as a little four year old, like talking about it. I saw some very sweet retweets of that that were like, you did yeah. do that girl. Like, you know, um, I love but- it. yeah, Santana was, Santana was literally my favorite character on that show because she was a badass bitch and she was so quick with her tongue. Like she always had something to say. So, Well, evidently we always have something to say and what we're going to be saying and talking about is sex. So that transition sucks, but... um, Yeah, let's talk about sex, baby. We're going to do it right after this break. Hey, howdy, chickens. Um, welcome back to the pod. Oh, so happy to see ya. Um, I didn't know you knew how to do that accent. I don't know how I do anything. <laughs> um, so today, Shawnee and I had been talking, and I think, I don't know why it's taken us so long to have more of a direct conversation about sex. I think that we obviously, I don't know, there's a little bit of faggoty energy and that we're always talking about sex, but like, I think that um, not sex directly. And I think um, it's everyone individually has specific relationships to sex and specific relationships to that and their mental health. And before we kind of dive into this conversation, I want to name two things we're not going to talk about. So uh, our conversations about sex today are centered around consensual sex. And then our conversations around sex today are also centered um, around the engagement and our co- connection to mental health versus sexual health and STI stigma and HIV and um, all those things that also come with being a queer person, I think, in our necessary conversation. So kind of just assume this is a part one, but I think Shawnee and I just kind of wanted to have a, have a conversation with you all about um, 
sex, 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 Broadly, Shawnee, what are some, how do you, when you think about sex, like what does that make you think and feel just kind of broadly as we're getting started? Oh my gosh. Um, it makes me think of definitely of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely sort of like kind of tied to vulnerability, like self-esteem slash self-confidence slash how you see yourself. Um, and then I also think about relationships and like partnership and like connection, like human connection that's happening, yes, on a physical level, but also for some people, right, depending on why you're having sex, uh, on like an emotional and sometimes spiritual level as right. well. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you made the choice to wait until you were a little older, which I also want to name, like, I think it's stupid that that, that feels like a topic for conversation, like waiting until 27 or 28, like, yeah. Uh, uh, culturally well, it's like what but like that's the it's thing honestly is, not that weird it's so funny I it was one of those things where I didn't I just didn't lose I'm gonna keep saying lose my virginity but I didn't lose Good my virginity <laughs> in, in high school because mm-hmm. I knew that I was gay and I didn't know anybody else gay in high school and I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna sleep even though I had a girlfriend in high school I never slept with her because I was just like I don't want to do that Mm-hmm. Um, and in college, I went to an all guys school, but still didn't have sex. And I think that it, by that point, it was starting to turn into this thing where my virginity was becoming a part of my identity. Mm-hmm. And it started to feel a little like, oh, I need to hold on to this. There was also sort of a, there was a fear because I, <laughs> whatever, I don't care. I'm a bottom. So I just, I knew that from, from jump. And there was this sort of fear, like, oh my God, when I have sex for the first time, I mean, somebody has to put their penis in my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how that's going to feel. It's probably going to hurt. So there was... Probably. Right. So there was some fear around that sort of action as well. And then right. it, by the time I got out of college, it was just, it literally was a part of my identity. Like yeah. it was just, I had sort of leaned so heavily on the story and the narrative of I'm a virgin. Isn't it crazy? I'm a virgin at age 20, whatever. Um, And it took all the way to 27. And I'll be honest, like when I did have sex for the first time, I had a lot of emotions about it, like literally Mm. two seconds after, um, because it felt like I had lost a piece of me. Like it felt Um. like this thing that (laughs) made me special was gone now. And, Um, you know, now having had sex a few times, (laughs) like multiple times, um, growing up and sort of understanding a bit more of what sex is, um, I don't feel that way anymore. Like, it doesn't feel like I lost a piece of myself. Not anymore. In that moment, it did. But like now at age 30 something, um, I'm not like oh, I'm not going to get into heaven or nobody will ever want to be with me because yeah. like, I won't be able to wear a white dress at my wedding. Like it's none of that. Like, honestly, right. after I sort of got the sex out of the way, it wasn't really a big deal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I will say that it like hurts my feelings to hear that you, uh, not my feelings, but my feelings as, as your friend, that that is what you felt when that happened. Because like, I, I, I immediately think about 
the way sex is talked about and uh, uh, especially in the church. And then also just in America a little bit, America has this simultaneously like hyper obsession and repulsion with sex that it like, um, yeah, it's really confusing. It's a confusing thing to engage with. And as queer people, we don't always have examples outside of porn. And especially in the South, you know, like no one in a sex, like there's barely even sex ed and that sex ed definitely doesn't always include like right. men who yeah. have sex with men or, you know, just sex across genders, let alone sex with consent and the importance there, you know? And um, I think uh, my first sexual encounter with men, um, I had like sexy time, like mutual masturbation or like um, uh, kind of like, there was never oral sex, more like hand and like in the same room kind of stuff with what I always thought was straight people, which was why I didn't know I was gay because I was like, I was having sex with women sometimes and then also was engaging with other straight people who were having sex with women and we were all straight and that was our secret. And that was just something that men did like, you know, it's a part of being in high school is, you know, we're so horny, we don't know what to do, that we like have to get off with our buds because what else are we going to do? Our brains are going to explode. Later, I mean, but that literally is why I, I like knew I was different, but I didn't always identify as like gay because I was like, well, these people are straight and they're different than me. I can tell they're straighter than me in quotes mm-hmm. or whatever. But I, I also know that we're doing the same thing. So if they don't consider themselves gay, how am I? Um, and then I got to college and I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> and like, um, but when I, I feel like I was 20, no. I think I was 18 and I had sex with a man. And I, because I didn't know shit about I didn't really know that much about tops and bottoms. I didn't really know anything. I just like was making out with someone and I could tell it was moving to that level. And I was like, okay. So I, I think I just like rolled over and like, was like, well, and then he like you tried rolled to, over and took the D. Well, no, that's the problem is <laughs> that like, he like tried to put it in and was like, dude, do you know what you're doing? And I was like, not at all. Not, <laughs> like, at, all. not at all. This hurts. I hate it. <laughs> like, um, and also like later also in retrospect 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 can obviously see that like that person was the bottom and like i should have fucked them and, ah. um, and that is just like uh, some dynamic stuff that i just like didn't pick up on good old switcheroo That's a thing. but i remember because i had that experience i was like sometimes i can get a little bit accidentally obsessive and so i was like I wanted to see them all the time. I wanted to like, I didn't understand why they stopped texting me. I didn't understand why they didn't want to hang out at house parties anymore. I didn't mm-hmm. get it. Now, of course I'm an adult and I'm like, well, cause the sex wasn't good and they didn't like you that much. <laughs> like you got to move on girl. Well, I college. think you bring up a good point though. Like I <clears throat> will say now, like as an adult, I still attach a lot of value to sex, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I understand sex for what it is and I don't, it's not like this, I put it on a pedestal and it's this like thing I have to protect and like, it's only with special people. It's not that, but mm-hmm. um, sex still holds value. Like I think to anybody. Um, and for me, it's still a thing that, like I said, it's a connection with somebody. So for me, I am not one to regularly hook up casually with people. I am not one to regularly like on date one or date two, like give it up. Um, I'm not judging anybody if they do. Um, I just know that for me personally, that sort of intimacy, like just 
nudity, somebody penetrating your body or you penetrating theirs is Mm -hmm. just, that is a very intimate thing for me. And Mm -hmm. it's not, I can solidly say right now, like it has nothing to do with religion or like how I was raised or anything like that. It is truly like a, when I am having sex, that's what I want. Like I want to be able to look the person in the eye and like have a connection with them. I don't really want a one night stand not so that yeah. i haven't had them but i i have learned that like that's not your desire it's not for me like yeah. i have one night stands and i'm just like i want more <laughs> yeah and that i i think for me i've had different relationships to sex throughout my life i think i definitely think that i have unfortunately or fortunately i don't know i've always been a sexual person i can i just like from a very young age the minute that i could masturbate i was the minute i could talk about talk about sex I was excited to um and part of that I think was because I didn't I like to break the rules a little bit and I was like and that was like the one thing that like you could kind of engage in that you knew the other person might keep it a secret too like you like it like if there's shame culturally around it it's like well they're not gonna tell you know mm-hmm. um and I think uh and that's fucked up and then I think in my 20s early 20s mid 20s especially I then started after having like sex with people that I could tell weren't wanting to have sex with me. And then I sort of learned, oh, okay, gay sex, you, you know, a first date is a hookup and then you might go on a date later and then you might be in a relationship after a few months, after several months of hooking up. And then that's just what I learned. And because of that, I like, after a couple breakups with people that I had good sex with that meant, and then I was like, well, I have to be in a relationship with them now because we're having good sex. Um, and then that did not end up well. I think my brain then said like, well, sex doesn't matter. And so I think for me, I, I lost like, uh, sex matters in a, we are human and we need to get off. Uh, and like that is, but like who you do that with and how you do that, um, it just isn't that important. And I think in my present life, I feel a mix of that and um, actually it's really awesome when you know the person's name. Actually, it's really awesome when you know um, how their heart is feeling. Actually, it's really awesome when you have conversations before and after sex about about the sex you want to have and about how you feel about sex and, and what expectations are um, as opposed to kind of just jumping into bed with someone and or, you know, which I think a park is or whatever. a symptom of how we in this society are sort of introduced to sex. It is, it's always, it's, I feel like in America, it's always sort of been treated as this taboo thing that not you're not supposed to do, but like not talk about. So then I think that having those conversations and sort of learning how to tell your partner or tell whoever you're hooking up with, like what you want, and then after the fact, like what you liked, what you didn't like. Right. It's just a difficult thing because I don't think any of us grow up with anybody teaching us how to do that mm-hmm. because, you know, we're, we're going through sex ed classes in what, like ninth, 10th grade of high school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think parents should absolutely be like, all right, like, let's just talk about all things sex. Like, let's mm-hmm. just do it. But I understand that a lot of parents don't do that. Yeah. Um, either because they, you know, don't feel comfortable or they assume that school is going to do it for them, whatever. But I think that the outcome from that is people just don't know how to talk about sex with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, and that's think, important. It's a thing that you, I know, I think that for a while I was also very prude. Like I <laughs> like secretly wanted to talk about sex, but was always very like, no, no, no. Like that's not a thing that you're mm-hmm. supposed to talk about in public. Now, like, again, you grow, you learn. I don't care. Like, it's just like, let's talk about masturbation in the middle of the grocery store. Like right. I, <clears throat> we all are doing it. It's a human so, experience. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that is kind of where my brain like kind of got whatever. Cause like there is something too, where I believe, I fully believe that like two, uh, any sex that is out of heterosexual penis and vagina sex, I think is a radical political act, especially when you think about the fact that up until 2003, sodomy laws were still in existence in the United States. And up until 2019, 15 of those states still had not repealed, despite Lawrence versus Texas, like um, making it illegal to prosecute anyone on sodomy laws. There's still currently states in the United States that have these laws on the books specifically because it sets a culture around what sexual expectations are. Like you can't, and at the same time though, before then, you could be in jail. You could, if you were found out to have oral sex or anal sex or sex between men or, and sometimes honestly, heterosexual couples engaging in oral or anal sex could also be prosecuted. Um, Like sex has intentionally been repressed because I think it, one breaks down this idea that like the central family unit is that important. Like it breaks that down because you realize like, Oh, I can have connections with a lot of people. A lot of people like connect with our, my body. I'm not like necessarily someone who needs to have like one person forever. And this is also speaking from my experience, but I think I learned that like, Holy shit, there's so many cool people out there and there's so many different types of sex. Like there's so many like, um different ways to engage with this thing and you know i think communication for me is my favorite thing that i've gotten out of sex in my adulthood is like having a lot of sex where it wasn't talked about and then it felt bad or we just ignored each other and like if we saw each other in public we just looked down um to then moving into a more adult space like talking about sex with partners has enabled me to talk about my feelings more has enabled me to talk about my wants and needs more outside of what I want in terms of like my penis or whatever. Like it's, it's more of a, if I can push past the social discomfort that you're speaking to, if I can push past, past that to name what feels good in terms of sex, I might be able to push past that in terms of the social stigma around like, uh, not wanting to, like be in a type of relationship I don't want to be in or engaging in something I don't want to do. I don't have to be a people pleaser in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me though, I do think that there's still so much pressure based on sex. I think that there, for myself, there is a good balance between um, thinking. I still think it could be great and cool to have sex with anyone. Um, I like having sex with my friends sometimes. Like I think, um, it makes me feel closer friends. And then it, that it also doesn't make that boundary of like, it's not necessarily like, Oh no, now we have to figure out how we are, have friends, how we are friends who have had sex or whatever. It's like, Oh man, I have always felt really close to you. And it was fun when we nutted together. Like, 
do you want some cake? Like, I don't know. It just like, and to some people that is absolutely like, do that is a boundary you do not cross. Like, don't ever do that. I think like with monogamous relationships and relationships that are more partnered, I think, um, you know, for me, the kind of open relationship where you just like go out and do whatever you want does not feel comfortable. It doesn't make me feel safe. It doesn't make me feel loved. Like I need communication. I need like lots of things to engage with something that looks sort of like that. But I've had partners who are more the other way. And then we ended because I didn't feel, I was like, yeah, I can engage in an open relationship. And then like, I was like, actually I can't, I hate this. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, think, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say, you're like the yin to my yang right now <laughs> because Everything you just said, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, and again, no judgment to each their own, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. I know what works for me. You have what works for you. And I personally would, I don't even like seeing my friends nude. So, right. you know, it's like I would never have sex with them. But that's also, I understand, like, I have a lot of hard boundaries. And mm -hmm. I also get exhausted from people. <laughs> very yeah. fast and very easily so i also understand that like my unwillingness to um have a lot of sexual partners or sort of establish these kinds of casual relationships just ongoing it's because i'm like no 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 i have enough friends i have enough people to talk to like, i don't want to have to bring another person into my life to just like accomplish this one thing which is yeah. sex yeah. and i think that a funny thing for me is, I think for a really long time, people used to ask me, like, so what do you do? Like, you're just not having sex. What happens when you get horny? It's like, what do you do? And I'm just like, I masturbate. I have a hand. Uh, like, it's fine. Like, I, yeah. if I, I'll put it like this. If I wasn't having sex, I couldn't miss it. And I think that hmm. even now, I mean, I haven't had sex since December, you guys. But, hmm. um, yeah, I don't I mean that a pandemic happened that it's kind a of, pandemic happened right. but I mean people still out here fucking so right. well, <laughs> um there's also people not wearing masks so but I also can be honest in saying that I don't like really miss it right like yes I get horny we all get horny and like I'm like oh yeah like I need to have sex now but that mm -hmm. moment passes at some point <laughs> and everything goes back to normal so totally. well I think what you're speaking to a little bit is that like shocker different people have different relationships yeah, to sex, you know, exactly. like, I, I find it, I find sex to be a way to connect with other people. And I don't necessarily think that that is like the only way to connect with other people or the main way or the most important way. I just find it as one way to connect with other people right. and other people, you know, like don't value it at all. The sexual pleasure is either not as high or the payoff around the awkwardness around it all is not as high as just like avoiding it. And like all of those things are not because of our America's simultaneous obsession and repulsion by it. There's this expectation that everyone wants to have sex all the time. They just may or may not be doing it. And then there's right or wrong ways to do that. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like, some people think about sex like once a year, maybe, you know, and that's fine. Like that's beyond fine. I was going to say, and it's, it's infuriate, it has been infuriating being me sometimes because of that. Like, because I don't treat sex like the holy grail of like anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been in relationships where my partner had a really high libido or like wanted to have sex more and I was just kind of like yo I'm good with like once every two weeks homie like oh my truly God. I am fine yeah. <laughs> you know um 
which I also know comes from a place of I really just did not have sex for years. So that already just in and of itself instills. You're like, my tolerance is up here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really. I'm like, what? It's been seven months since I last had sex. Mm. You're like, I'll be fine in a snowstorm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, one thing I do want to go back to, and I don't think we need to explore it too in depth because it's just a whole topic in and of itself, but sort of the focus and sometimes priority of having sex in the gay community. I'm yeah. not gonna say the queer community. I I personally think it's very much so a gay thing. Well, um, because it's, it's, I think it's because it's men, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, this idea culturally of men is like kind of centered around our cocks and like yeah. centered around- Don't you ever say that word again. Cocks. Oh. <laughs> dick there we go penis penis <laughs> shaft um i could i could get into a shaft i don't know i don't know why i i get it i get that it's a white thing that white people say cock i don't know but it just it's just oh it just hurt it makes my ears <laughs> hurt out. they literally hurt <laughs> to me it's the same as dick it's just like the same word i don't understand why there's like a cultural divide but you know whatever yeah. um I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, I, the gay men, though. I think because of what I said earlier around the political thing, I think that, like, you know, that's that's part of it. And then there's also, like, a gay politic that is, like, a freedom from necessarily, like, the restraints of a normal relationship, whatever that means. Both that is because of exclusion from normal relationships and also liberation beyond those things. They, they play with each other, you know? Um, but I also think that, like uh there's something about if society does not value you if your family does not value you if work and housing may not value you you try to get your value somewhere and Mm -hmm. your value can be found in sex and so especially if you're younger and you get your value from being able to take dick like a champ or from having the best lips in the south or whatever the fuck you know you got going on like you're like, well, people see me as valuable when I'm naked and when we're fucking and I'm going to do every single thing that I can to chase that. I mean, it's, uh, I think we'd be, grinder changed a lot, you know, and it simultaneously plays on phone addiction and the ways that our brain responds serotonin to just notifications, plus the like, uh, the, the instant gratification potentially of orgasms like you combine those two things that shit becomes addictive as hell like you know you've got like this potential to you know have a physical body reaction and then your brain is also responding to hey what's up how's it going you're hot you're hot too blah, blah, blah. and it's like but you can form negative relationships you eventually have a sexuality with your phone more than you have a sexuality with yourself or mm. other people you know and I know that I've had to take breaks from Grindr and I have, I'm really grateful to be in a relationship where that isn't part of our usage, you know, like it's exciting to not have to fucking worry about that goddamn shit anymore, you know? And at the same time, like, uh, my partner and I met on that website, my partner and I, I've had amazing connections with people through Grindr and other things. I've, I like, some of our mutual friends I met on Grinder. you know what I mean? Like I am very much someone who has been able and find joy in making queer connections, sometimes through sex or sometimes not. And at the same time though, our culture does have an obsession 
which I think is both justified and a maladjustment at the same time. Mm -hmm. I agree a thousand percent. I don't even have anything to say to that. <laughs> um, except that Grinder is the devil and I re-downloaded it like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, it's, it's definitely that sort of an app, you know, you download you it, back to it you come, come back, back to, to it, it. Mm -hmm. i was off of it for a few months but here i am bored well, i found i found pandemic. that <laughs> when i was starting to realize that like oh i don't actually want to be having this kind of like unconnected sex with people i was literally developing a masturbation practice around like sexting on grinder and then mm -hmm. while i found that um healthy and while i found that nice at sometimes i was also like god damn it I am waking up to having sent nudes to X amount of people and my nudes aren't even that good. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, um, and I think that, you know, there's absolutely a part of me that wishes I had more of a sense of self and ownership in the ways that I had engaged in sex earlier. I know that I engage with sex with people that I didn't really want to. And I know that I engage with sex with people that I was like, yikes, I, what was that? Um, and I think a large part of that had to do with like, I wanted to be loved so much and I was mistaking the idea of sex for love. And so I want to be clear that while I think I have a much healthier relationship with sex in my adulthood, um, it is still an intimate thing. And I think that there is still a way to engage with that intimacy respectfully and engage with that intimacy in a, in a, in a way that is not, because I mean, think about it even people in healthy relationships who've been married for years or whatever, they can still use sex unhealthily to either solve arguments yeah. or to distract from things or to prioritize it when there's emotional other stuff going on that you should be prioritizing over sex. Like it's not just slut or not slut. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's how like this conversation can devolve and I accidentally have devolved it there, but I just want to make clear that like, sex can always be used as an addition to people's life or as a weapon, you know? And then there's obviously the much other way that it can be used as a weapon that I don't want to talk about yeah. right now. But um, I think, I don't it's know. Like, it's, it's like any other behavior. <laughs> it yes. can be toxic or it can be healthy. Mm -hmm. And you have healthy sex, which isn't to say, you know, sexual health and like we were saying like, and whatnot. but like there's a healthy relationship with the behavior of sex like <laughs> why are you having sex right like I'm not saying you need to ask that question every single time but like are you maybe trying to get love that like you didn't get from your mom when you were little like it's I don't know like I don't want to go down that road but like you know you have to you do well have the answer to, is maybe right is maybe yeah and the thing is you it's just like any other behavior though. You have to hold a magnifying glass up to it and you have yeah. to sort of poke and prod it and understand what it means for you. And I think what we keep coming to the conclusion of, it's gonna be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like people use sex for all kinds of different reasons. And I'll just continue to say what I think I've been saying this entire podcast, which is like, you just need to know whether it's toxic or not. And like, yeah. be aware of that. Like just be aware of, why you're using sex or why you're having or why you are having sex so. absolutely and i think that you know we've said this a few times and we'll continue to say this especially in our earlier 
oh, oh my god sorry that was weird like <laughs> the burp or something i'm so sorry something um, crawled out of like, your throat it was i don't know what that was um okay rewind um i feel like we are gonna say this a lot in our earlier episodes as we kind of like start to begin to explore topics but we're definitely going to continue to dive in consider this like sex part one but i think just before we go um I will challenge you that um, if you've never examined the sex that you have with other people or yourself, I would suggest you start to ask yourself those questions that Shawnee was kind of starting to pose. Um, because you, as a, as a listener, hi listener, you deserve to have sex you want to have. You deserve to have sex that makes you feel loved. Um, you deserve to have sex that makes you feel like a dirty fucking cum pig if that's what you want. You know, you deserve to have um, consensual, communicated, enthusiastic sex. And um, that can also be a no. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that is that did, saying no to sex that you don't want to have sex to or with or whatever like that can speak greater to the sex that you do have you know what I mean and yeah I just think it's important for people because I I do stand by this like my ability to communicate around sex and kind of stepping into that awkwardness at a younger age I think has really allowed me to have other tough conversations that I don't appreciate or I, I'm not, that's not what I meant. Other tough conversations that I might've had trouble mm -hmm. stepping into. And it's made my relationships stronger, both with friends or sexual partners or whatever, when there has been a bursting of the bubble of talking about sex. And I, I don't think that you need to necessarily talk to other people about sex or just walk up to a stranger and start talking about your leaky hole. I think though that there is a way to say, <laughs> was that, did that throw you off? Sorry. I was, no, I was, I was going to make a quip and then I didn't make it fast enough. And I was like, <laughs> no, it's too late. The moment I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I, I just think that there's a way to also have conversations with yourself about the sex that you have had the sex you want to have the sex you are having examine that because that will allow you to unlock and and take some breathing room to maybe make those connections to why you even have sex in the first place or mm -hmm. what gets you horny and yeah. like all of those things are related to who we are and socialized beings but they go unexamined because we have a culture around like this type of sex is the right type of sex and it's just like it's such fucking bullshit yep and we live in the society, again, that holds talking about sex as a taboo thing, unless you are talking about it with the person you are having sex with, and that's it. So I guess what the homework will be. Go talk to other people about sex. Ask them first, but yeah. But yeah. Um, do you want to wrap up the work and take our meds? Yeah, let's take a quick break. We're almost ready to come back again. We are back and it's time to pop some pills. We gonna take our meds right now. I'm excited. Um, Maddie, you wanna go first? Sure, I can. Um, I have like just a couple light things. One was I was in class this week and then I realized that I was actually a week ahead on assignments because of the, which wasn't exactly out of my like, uh, planning or uh, effort it really was just that the syllabus was fucking confusing and so I did assignments early but um, that was nice to have a little bit of a lighter time and then I also have been able to get out to the um, 
to the river a couple times this week and just kind of yeah, girl, you've been out there in the sun in the sun i've missed the sun like that so much and i in in terms of mental health i literally was having a moment where i was the sun was hot i had turned that ac off and i rolled my windows down and i just put on a song like a ridiculous song and just was like blasting it in the sun and i was just like i'm about to go sit on some sand for an hour and a half two hours just in the sun and get fucking sweaty and just hot and how britney spears crossroads of you i just i wish (laughs) that i didn't need that to feel great i -hmm. wish that that specific type of weather was not required for me to be outside and feel amazing and i just like god that vitamin d i need it i crave it etc like i (laughs) i take my gummies too i take my vitamin d gummies and it just it's not the same it's not um, y'all, black people get pale. It's a thing. <laughs> and let me tell you, my melanin is popping. Like I've got color to me again. Like it ain't a, it's a tan, but it's like I'm a little golden, a little darker. I love it. I fucking love being like this specific shade of black in the summer. And mm-hmm. like, ugh. and growing up in the South, it's like that almost happened year round. So in Portland, I'm always just like, it's summer. My skin's getting darker. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I definitely am at my absolute whitest in Portland. Like, (laughs) I, I, my skin has absolutely, like, fully stepped into its full whiteness, which I'm just like, come on, let's get some, like, I used to have a burn, and now, like, I step out into the sun the first time, and I always get burned when I first go out, just because, like, we don't see the fucking sun for 82 months months out of the year. (laughs) 82 months out of the year. (laughs) What it feels like. (laughs) <laughs> um what are your meds what you taking um my meds are this is the silliest thing in the world but whatever i appreciate it i learned two tiktok dances okay <laughs> listen i have been saying that i want to learn one of these stupid tiktok dances or one of the challenges mm-hmm. for like months now and i don't know what happened this week but i was just like I can do this shit. <laughs> I yeah. One of them, I literally woke up on. Uh, I think it was like Monday of this week. I like, just woke up and was just like, "I'm gonna do this dance," and I just learned it. And then I learned another one like yesterday. And I'm like, "Look at me learning TikTok dances like I'm Gen Z or something." Yeah. So I don't know. I'm proud of myself because uh, I didn't go to school for dancing, and I don't think I know choreography like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like I the last. Good. I think the last <laughs> dance I learned was the Soldier Boy, but um. Wow. Yeah, crank that. I um, <laughs> I no, actually, that's not true. One time, Spencer and I went uh, on a road trip, and there was like not much to do on our way to the redwoods, and so we did pull up the say so TikTok dance, and we learned that over the course of oh, an hour cute. just to like make ourselves laugh. But um, well, they're intimidating. They're intimidating at first. Like I remember I was looking and was oh, just yeah, like, because it's thirteen year olds that are doing yeah. stuff, and you're like, this isn't my body I'm doesn't like, do that anymore. <laughs> that's not me. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a hot thirteen year old, and, yeah, I, never, and I never and I never was. But uh, I was not either. I, I like broke it down piece by piece and was just like, I can do this shit. So I don't know. I'm real proud of myself. And um, yeah, go learn some TikTok dances. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'm happy for that. Um, do you have um, homework for Earth? Um, I have optional homework. So you don't have to do this one, but you can if you want to. Um, That's great. It's literally what I said a little bit earlier in the podcast. Um, maybe just think about how you can make sex a little less 
of a taboo subject again consensually like I also get that sex can be touchy for other reasons um, related to harassment and abuse. Absolutely. Um, so definitely, definitely um, be aware of those kind of things. But still, we still need to be able to talk about sex. And if anything, even more so because of sexual abuse and harassment. So mm -hmm. um, get comfortable with it. You know, if you could get comfortable with uh, respecting Black lives, then... I'm hoping you can get comfortable with talking about sex. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Like, I'm just saying, maybe think about doing that this week with some friends, with a lover, with a partner. Well, I think also what you're bringing up too is that if these, if even our conversation has unintentionally brought up some really negative stuff for you today, try and talk with a therapist about those negative th mm -hmm, feelings related mm -hmm. to sex or a friend if that is comfortable. Um, Speaking about sex in a negative way or how it has negatively affected you is just as much of a healthy expression of navigating this culture and a human expression of sex, you know? Yep. Um, but share your experience with us. Let us know how this is going. Um, you can follow us on QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And um, leave a review. And leave a review. Also, if anyone can tell me um, the line that I said at the beginning of the episode, what movie that's from, I will send you uh, a picture of some of something. I'll, of something. <laughs> <laughs> I have no promise to what I'll give you. I'll I'll respond. That's what I'll do. Um, thank there you, we go. Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music, and big thank you to Ali Kiltz. Now our west coast babe officially for helping us with editing um you can listen to her podcast trace material about the history and future of hemp um i'm gonna go jack off <gasps> i'm gonna do that too and then eat some pizza yum bitch mm -hmm. dairy common pizza <laughs> the winning combo pickles on pizza sprinkled pizza you know we just is it dia no, <laughs> it's the real thing. <laughs> <laughs>